0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University.
1: A 1% increase in Net Promoter or whatever measure you've got is worth how much in your organization can you equate that most organizations can't and it's for me that's finance's
0: job to to agree what
1: that looks like
0: cost benefit analysis sounds like something very cut and dried like very easy i are going to compare this number to that number In reality, there's a lot of subjective decisions that need to be made in terms of how costs are accounted for, what counts as a benefit, how are we going to estimate that. Customer centricity should be a philosophy of an entire business. It should be a philosophy of the company, not of certain departments within the company.
1: I was with a client earlier this week and I was having a really interesting conversation with them and I thought afterwards, I thought we need to do this as a podcast. Yeah. And so let me set the scene for you. I got called into this client who over the last couple of years had been trying to improve their customer experience and they, yeah, it was, I mean, it's good stuff, but they'd done a lot of the low hanging fruit. Okay, you know, they'd improved this process, they'd done that, they'd done that. But they weren't making the breakthroughs that they thought that they should. Okay. When I started to chat to them, what I realized was that they had focused their attentions on the front facing staff, the front facing teams.
0: Engaged with customers. Yeah. I mean, that that makes
1: sense. So uh, absolutely. And and again, as as part of the overall plan and as part of trying to get things off the ground, not saying that you should do everything all at once. It's impossible to do everything at once. However, if you're trying to create a breakthrough, if you're trying to change the culture of the organization, you can't have one group of people with a mindset that looks customer-centric and another group of people in the same organization that aren't because you get this conflict between the two with the policies and the
0: procedures that end up butting heads with each other. It's almost like some organizations will, like, have a corporate culture and then they'll just kind of paper over the top of it with, like... Customer experience. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that,
1: that's a good way of describing they it. End uh,
0: up like an apple, where it's just like kind of skin deep.
1: Yeah. To reinforce your analogy, I would argue that what they're doing is they're painting a smiley face on the the yeah. the the, the, <laughs> the outside of it, so it looks good, and you know they're they're friendly in the main. You know, the people that are talking to the customer and everything else. But you know, and and this, I like the apple Watch. at the core. Right. Yeah they're not okay or they haven't addressed that okay and this is i in my view fairly common when i wrote my first book back in 2002 one of the phrases that i used in there which i still like is what i call deep stuff yeah so not deep state it, but no, deep stuff no this was this was pre all the conspiracy theories and everything else that come up, yeah? but deep stuff. So in other words, the people in the back office, and I'm specifically and will specifically in this podcast refer to HR, IT, finance, all of those parts of the organization that don't touch the customer. And in my experience, having having done this for a few years now, When you talk to them, they go, we don't affect the customer. Right. Nothing to do with us. Not our problem. That's that lot out there. They do that. Yeah. And particularly when you start to turn around to them and say, we are going to have one measure or not one measure, we're going to have measures on customer experience that you in finance, HR, IT, are going to be responsible for, because you contribute to them, and in my view, you're paid money against, yeah, if the company doesn't achieve this, that that's when they start to run a mile. Is this all
0: making sense? It is. I mean, I made I made a deep state joke, but I think there's a parallel there, right? I mean, the conspiracies about deep state are about elements of a government that are kind of below the bureaucracy, the people who are deep inside, who are kind of combating against change or combating against, you know, kind of what what others in the organization want to do. And it's kind of a similar idea where you've got people within the organization who are in favor of inertia, who are fighting change, who kind of don't want things done. So yeah, I, I think that's a really important insight that if you want, customer centricity should be a philosophy of an entire business. It should be a philosophy of, The company, not of certain departments within the company.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, what we're going to do today is we're going to run through some areas that I think. So, when you're talking to HR, when you're talking to IT, when you're talking to finance, and they say, No, we've got nothing to do with customer experience, we don't affect it, then I'm going to give you some thoughts of how you can turn around and go but you do because you do these things okay and and in that whole sort of change process the the first thing is is they've got to realize what they do and how it affects the customer which i think is 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 key
0: i love that so there's a a deep staff proselytizing guide this is your your missionary tool to reach the deep staff and convert them
1: absolutely and, and let me let me give you one insight before we start in case i forget to mention this later we did a lot of work with rico uh, rico printers up in canada and they have been one of our sort of big case studies and they improved their net promoter score by 34 points over a 30-month period and that was in a, um, they increased their, their revenue uh, by 10% in a declining per market. okay? So really achieved some really good stuff. Now, why do I tell you all this? I always remember sitting down with the CEO and talking to him over, this was over a period of about five years. As we got into sort of fourth or fifth year, I said to him, what was the one thing that you would have done differently, Yeah. And he, without hesitation, said, the thing I would have done differently is I would have put a customer experience target on everybody in the organization, including everybody in HR, IT, etc. He said, because he said, at the beginning, I didn't do that because there was a lot of pushback and everything else. He said, but after we'd overcome all of that and we gave it to them, that really made us rock and roll and really made us you know, start to improve our experience. And that goes back to this this experience that I've been talking about this week or this client I've been talking about this week. Yeah, you can make some headway. Yeah, you can improve things. But you can't really get to improving your net promoter score by 30 points over a 30-month period unless you've got the whole organization aligned to. You. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's great. Okay, so guess what? HR really affect the customer experience from a recruitment and talent acquisition so we, we spoke earlier about the fact that you know you have an apple and you have the outer rim and you create a smiley face well yeah you, you need to improve you need to employ the right type of people okay and who's in charge of recruitment yeah and talent acquisition Well guess what it's HR okay so they absolutely affect the customer experience
0: we've talked before about training and having the proper training in place hr is also in charge of that but we've also talked about how there are certain things you can't train <laughs> and and you just you need to have the right people in the right roles and so yes like uh, both aspects of that do boil down to hr
1: yeah and and you just said another important area training okay who's in charge of training guess what it's hr so what's the training that you are giving people okay i always remember going into a call center and i said could you tell us what training do you give people and they say oh we give people you know 10 weeks worth of training okay that's interesting and how much of that do you do on you know soft skills training uh oh well we do half a day on soft skills training and how to deal with customers out of 10 weeks Mm. so it's just it's just madness So you've absolutely got to make sure that the training has got customer experience, again, fed through all of it. Another massively important area that HR deal with uh, is employee engagement. So the employee experience. Okay. We all know happy employees make happy customers. So, well, actually, engagement. the
0: reverse too, right? So, there ideally yeah. there's this virtuous cycle. But yes, starting with yeah. the, the happy employees is generally yes, yes. Yeah.
1: The employees need to be the right type of employees that like talking to the customers. Therefore, again, it it always ends up in this virtuous circle. We all know what gets measured gets done, yeah, and what gets paid for gets done even more. Okay. So what are the performance metrics? And guess who's in charge of all of those types of things? Yeah. You know, the HR are there to make sure that the performance metrics are the right type of metrics and then done within the right way and everything else. I'm not going to rattle through every single one of these, but let me just give you some of the give you some of these as a, as a, for instance, conflict resolution, you know if you've got one group of people against another people hr need to be taken effect employee retention you go into some call centers they've got 40% turnover i mean where's the it's madness and and are we saying that hr's got nothing to do with that yeah well of course of course they have incentive programs internal communication this is another big one for me the amount of internal communications that i see that does not talk about the customer, I think is astounding. The best examples I see of internal communication is where it's effectively starts off by talking about the customer or customer experience. And certainly, it all wraps around that as the common thread, rather than these other things. I mean, they could be missions and virtues and values etc i mean there's another classic example actually just values how does the customer are they built into them
0: i'm conscious mate i'm on one of my ranks so i'm gonna i'm you know trained enough at this point to know to stand back and and let you run (laughs) out the injured. (laughs) no this is a really helpful list i I mean i don't want to interrupt you know the head of steam you've built up here but it it strikes me as you're going through this that these are only a problem because of this kind of first ordered thinking like i understand my job in this case as an hr professional and my job is these tasks and, and to the extent that that there's a conflict then between people th- saying that they're not involved in, in co- the customer centricity effort it's because they're not thinking about the implications of any of these tasks like of course, if you're involved in in talent acquisition, like the people that you're hiring are then going to be interfacing with the customers. It's just one extra step to think about the implications of what you're doing. Sure. And yet I think that for a lot of corporate cultures, that's the way people are managed, that's the way they're incentivized to, to think. We create these silos. We don't want to step on anybody's toes. And so it's very natural for us to like just consider our own domain and then not think like, the next half step forward of what are the implications of what we're doing there. So it it suggests that there's opportunity there to like, okay, and then, and then what happens after you hire the person? Like what, what's there. But to your point, I, I think that it's very, very common. This is my domain. And I assume as you go through the other functions in the business, it's going to be a similar issue. It's not, it's not a huge logical leap to point out that this is going to have implications. It's just people don't do that for themselves. I think it's
1: what they're not doing is these groups are not thinking about it or understanding the context in which they're doing their job okay so something that people don't talk about very much nowadays is service profit chains in other words you can map out you've got the customer at one end you've then got the 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 frontline people you know whether it's customer service sales whatever it may be but they're backed up by all these other groups of people, management, HR, IT. But ultimately, what the organization is trying to do is to sell their product or service. I would argue that what they are trying to do is to deliver a customer experience. So to use another case study um, that we talk about, Maersk line improved their net promoter score by 40 points over a 30-month period that led to a 10% rise in shipping volumes. And they wanted to, we worked with them to set the strategy in place to, so their experience was they wanted um, trust, cared for, and pleased. They want the customer to feel that they trust them. They wanted to feel that the customer felt they cared for, and they felt pleased. Okay? Why am I telling you this? Because all parts of the organization should be turning around and saying, how do we help achieve that? So HR, recruitment. How are you going to recruit people who are naturally good at creating trust or feeling cared for? Yeah. How are you going to train people to embed those principles into the training? How are you going to create the employee environment where the employee experience that is based around trust, cared for, and pleased? How are you going to incentivize people to create? Um, to create the right incentives and everything else that's trust, care for, and pleased. How are you going to make sure that in your internal communications that trust, cared for, and pleased are embedded in that communication? You get the idea, okay? Yeah,
0: I mean, if you'll you'll indulge another metaphor, a lot of us just have our heads down, uh, focused on the task in front of us, right? Looking straight down at our desk. I think what you're arguing for is it's important to look up and see kind of the goal that all of those things are leading towards. We're not just doing the job and doing it well. We're doing it for some larger purpose that is integrated across the entire organization.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that purpose is an apple. Yes, an apple with with a smiley face. So let's go on and talk about uh, finance because we're going to end up having a show that's going to last an hour and a half if we're not careful.
0: Colin, I've thought of a great new way for us to promote our podcast. Great. Let's hear it. Well, you know how celebrity magazines are always tracking what various celebrities are wearing around town? Well, what if we started a YouTube channel where our fans could see what we're wearing when we're recording these podcasts? They would know exactly what you're wearing, mate, because all you wear is a jacket with leather patches. That's it. I have a look. (laughs) So did Steve Jobs. I'm a fashion icon, Colin. You can stop fighting it at any point in time. Listen, if our listeners would like to know what I'm wearing as we're recording this, please go over to YouTube. You can find us at the Intuitive Customer Podcast on YouTube or look for the link in the show notes.
1: Again, let me give you some of the headlines. So again, put it into context. How does finance affect the customer experience? What, how do they, how should they be making that that context? Okay, guess what? They're in charge of budgets. Budgets have a significant effect on whether you can afford the technology, how much money is spent in different areas. They own the budget for customer experience or customer service, etc. cetera. I, I always remember, I've got to tell too many anecdotes here, but this is a good one. I always remember going into pitch for some business with a courier company and I was sitting and waiting in the foyer with the team and as I was waiting in the foyer I noticed that the foyer was being refurbished went upstairs went into the executive the c-suite presentation to the ceo etc 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 we got to the numbers of how much it would cost to run the program that we were suggesting and they basically started to push back on the numbers okay I asked I them one see question where
0: this is going
1: yeah, I ask them one question. How much was that refit gonna cost? You know, how much was that and how does that affect the customer experience? It may affect you know a one or two customers that come into the head office and see it, but how much does that actually affect the customer experience? So the allocation of budget is done by finances. The investment in technology is done by finance. The cost-benefit analysis, and this is a really important area, is done by, by finance. One of the best things I ever did was when I was running my customer experience program when I was in corporate life was I got somebody from the finance team to sit on my team that was part of my team. So they could they could qualify everything we did in financial terms to the finance department classic question if you and and I'd really like it to for, to hear if people do this or not because I don't think many people do a 1% increase in net promoter or whatever measure you've got is worth how much in your organisation can you equate that most organisations can't and it's
0: for me that's finance's job to to agree what that looks like Cost-benefit analysis sounds like something very cut and dried, like very easy. We're going to compare this number to that number. In reality, there's a lot of subjective decisions that need to be made in terms of how costs are accounted for, what counts as a benefit, how are we going to estimate that, and having an ally on those in on those decisions, not, not to bias them, but to make sure that they are fully accounting for everything that should be included, can make or break an, a program.
1: Yeah, and here's another example of one that I, again, I frequently use with clients. They turn around and say, well, can you show the benefit of this? And one of the things I always say is, do you do leadership training? And they say, yeah. Tell me what's the financial benefit of leadership training. Tell me the ROI you get from leadership training. And clearly they can't, okay? But they know it's the right thing to do, Yeah. So it's getting that sort of mentality there. Anyway, pricing strategy, okay? And we've talked about pricing over the period of time. Customer profitability analysis. I think I've told you in the past that, uh, again, when I was back in corporate life, the largest customers we had, we effectively were making a limited amount of profit from because we used to put so much resources (laughs) into them. And what we found was the customers that complained the most, we ended up putting more resources in and they were unprofitable, okay? So being able to do that profit analysis and another area which I think is really important, building into that, which finance are responsible for, customer lifetime value. So you're not just looking at a customer from a, well, what revenue are they gonna give us this year? What revenue are they gonna give us next year? But understanding and building into all of these models that a customer lifetime value is worth X, and therefore when we're making investments in et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is important. And various different customer
0: initiatives, all those things affect the customer. Makes sense? Yeah. So when finance tells you they've got nothing to do with the customer, you've now got a handy list that you can point out to them. Absolutely. Very much affect the customer experience. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get on to legal
1: because now legal is and again another area where they would say customers nothing to do with us not my brother. So contract clarity. So particularly in the B2B side of things, you know the danger is is that you 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 you're very customer centered and then you you legal come in and they give customers these bloody contracts that are 59 million pages long and are very oppressive, yeah? So again, it's the difference between chalk and cheese between the, the account manager that sold something and the, you know, the sales teams that have agreed to all these things and then legal come along and go, no, 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 it needs
0: to be this, it needs to be that, uh, etc. Yeah, just yesterday in class, I taught a case about, a hypothetical case about a dry cleaner who lost some clothes and they need to figure out how to compensate the, the employee or not. And we had a discussion about how generous or stingy should your returns policies be or your cases where there's a service failure, how should you compensate? And if you leave that up to legal, there's a very good chance that they will write an extremely strict policy because they they see their job as protecting the company. Yes. And I tried to, to persuade my students that this is part of the customer experience and y- you've got to write policies that are either going to be too generous or too, too stingy, that's just the way the world works, and you need to make a marketing-level decision which of these fits our business model, which of these, you know, fits? one of these policies is going to generate a lot more negative word of mouth than the other. Is that something we can sustain or not? So, yeah, but ultimately, whatever you decide, it needs to run through legal, and so they need to be yes yeah. on board.
1: Let's go back to the Merck line, trust cared for and pleased. How can you create the contract? So should legal be doing things to protect the organisation? Yes. It would be naive to turn around and say that they shouldn't. But there needs to be a balance. And if the organisation has strategically set the goal that they are trying to create an experience with their customer that ev- evokes trust, cared for, and please, as with MERS line, guess what? That needs to be reflected in the contracts. It needs to be reflected in the regulatory compliance. It needs to be reflected in the product liability. It needs to be reflected in the marketing and advertising compliance. It needs to be reflected in the data privacy compliance. All of those things, okay? And therefore, again, in each of those areas I've just articulated then those are the areas where legal have an impact on the customer experience. Going to quickly rattle through the last one, but this is uh, an important one, and this is IT, okay? And it's becoming an increasingly important area. And IT increasingly are becoming a pivotal part of the customer experience. Because guess what? How do they affect the customer experience? Well, who runs the website? who sorts out all the apps who runs the customer relationship management systems that are in place how do you deal with the data security what's the technical support of the product where does chatbots and ai fit in and and again as we move into this world of ai clearly it's going to be all down to the it area to to make these happen just think of the big initiatives that have happened over the last few years in digital transformation, you know, what are the analytical tools that are, that are being used and how customer friendly are those? What are the, what are the processes that are being built? Are you just taking a a manual process that you've had and automating it in some way? So, you know, and what are the various different channels that you've got and how are you integrating The databases. I mean, you know, again, we've talked about this on previous podcasts about AI, but one of the dangers with AI is that all different parts of the organization are doing their own little version of AI and they're doing it based upon their data structure that's just within their own organization. Who is it that should be pulling all of that information together? It's IT. So, again, IT, in my view, are becoming a much more front and center. Part of the organization that absolutely affects the affects the customer experience.
0: No, I, I agree. I I'm I mean, I th- I'm sure we could both rattle off examples of digital transformations that, from the outside, look like they were IT run, and those that look like they were customer centric in their decision. Yeah, right. You get yeah, you get a lot of apps that are are kind of bloated and chock full of you know, features that nobody needs, and that makes them very confusing. And, and then you've got some that, that very clearly were focused on how can we make the lives of our customers better and solve their problems more efficiently. And those are night and day when you look at them. I always love there's a, a video that we used in a, a
1: newsletter a few months ago of Steve Jobs talking about technology and where you should start. And one of the things that he said, rightly so, is you should start at the customer experience. And work your way back, and that's exactly what we say. Let me try and round this all all up together. Without, and this is exactly what I said to this client uh, this week, which is, without changing these deep staff, and without looking at HR, IT, finance, legal, etc., etc., you will never truly achieve customer centricity and truly make transformation that you need to and the first step of the journey is you've got to let those groups know how they affect the experience okay and going back to uh, rico ceo you've got to also start to get them to or be measuring them against the achievement of the experience that you're trying to deliver and these are hopefully just been some interesting areas for you to understand and how you can start to explain
0: to these parts of the organizations, how do improve their experience? Yeah, if I can summarize what Colin was talking about, the deep state is out to steal your children. Um, and <laughs> therefore, you need to arm yourself. Uh, no, this idea that customer centricity is an organizational philosophy, it's not, it's not a philosophy for various departments within an organization. This isn't something that can be owned by one group. Uh, This should be the focus of the entire company. There's a a great quote from uh, Peter Drucker. I just looked up, he said, because the purpose of a business is to create a customer. The business enterprise has two and only two basic functions, marketing and innovation. I would include within marketing customer experience, marketing and innovation produce results. All the rest are costs marketing is the distinguishing unique function of a business. So again, your your purpose for your business is to serve customers. Like that's why you're there. You're you're not a you're not a finance organization, you're not an IT organization, you're not an HR organization. The organization is there to serve customers and so fundamentally that is everybody's job. If you need backup on this, go to Google Scholar, type in customer centricity and financial returns or customer centricity and uh, stock returns or financial performance. There's research out there. There are academics who do this research, and they find over and over again that there is a huge connection. We had um, Fred Reichelt on uh, a couple months ago, and he talked about an investment strategy where he just was investing in companies that performed well on his customer centricity metric, and it was like vastly outperforming the markets on that. And and he's, you know his argument was this was not a fluke. That if you look at companies who do this well they do better over time and so like there's evidence to be brought to to bear to convince people that this is true but in order for it to succeed it needs to be a company-wide effort
1: absolutely yeah very well said good well i i hope that's uh, been of of use to you and we look forward to talking to you next week thanks very much for listening cheers Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it would be really great if you could leave us a review.
0: This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.